it's needed for me to be able to really peel that layer of conditionings to be able to really go deeper into the core, into the truth of who I am and to be able to really shine that to the world. You're listening to The Wholehearted Podcast and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage, and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello listeners to the Wholehearted Podcast and welcome to another episode. Today, I am very excited to have with me a very good friend, somebody I've known for a long, long time. And I've seen her grow through the years and have been tremendously inspired by her. Rana! Hi, Rana. Hey, Colin. Hi, hi, Colin. Really happy to be here and very privileged and honored to be on your podcast. Fantastic. Rana is a speaker, a facilitator, and coach on personal branding as well as corporate well being. And Rana is a fierce advocate of well being in the workplace and mindfulness. And Rana, I've seen you really um, just shot into um, our consciousness on social media. You are a LinkedIn top voice and I'm sure that there's a lot that you can share with us today. So shall we just like dive right into this? Let's go. Fantastic. So Rana, first of all, I'll just ask a very opening question to everybody. What does being wholehearted mean to you? Being wholehearted means being honest with yourself and being true to who we are and what we stand for and really coming from that space of, you know, genuine honesty and vulnerability to be able to really share our message to the world and doing things with a full heart, right? Really putting all our heart into whatever things that we are doing that's wholehearted for me. Very beautiful. I, I see that you are a person who really puts everything, you know, into, into what you're doing. Your LinkedIn posts are so inspiring and really your stories are always, you know, very, very inspiring for me. It just uplifts my day and I, I'm not just saying because you're on the show, okay? I really mean it <laughs> wholeheartedly. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. Thank you. There are a couple of pieces you mentioned in there. You talk about vulnerability. You know, this is a very, very uh, common topic now, vulnerability. What do you think are some of the obstacles for people to live with vulnerability? That's a great question, Cohen. <laughs> I think living with vulnerability is, in a way, not easy because it really takes a lot of courage to be able to really see into our soul, right? Really looking at what is it that, you know, like brings us pain, or brings us suffering in our life and how can we tap into that space with this quality of self-compassion, kindness to be able to bring out that piece of ourselves to the world, right? And it takes so much courage because it requires us to really see that hard truth, right? To really see that ugly part of us, to really see that part of us that we don't want to see and to be able to tap into that space and really communicate it or sharing it with the world and it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that and I think a lot of people are feeling very scared to be able to really go deeper into that space the space of you know 
we may not want to see, but it holds so much gem. It holds so much magic that when we are able to tap into that space, we are able to connect with that deeper part of us that is so powerful and to be able to really share it with the world. That is so powerful, Rana. You are always willing to share your vulnerability on, on social media. How have you always been so courageous? You know, very often we think about it and we, th- we go, what will people think about us? Especially in social media nowadays, we have this cancel culture, right? It's easy for people, you know, keyboard warriors to just to project themselves onto you and, and there'll be trolls, there'll be haters and they might make some comments about you that's unfair and unkind. Have you ever faced that before? Uh, yes, I think there is a lot of haters everywhere, right? But I think I've not always been vulnerable in a way. When I started on this journey, I have been like so afraid of even going deeper into that space, right? Because it takes so much courage to be able to really face the hard truth, the ugly truth, right? And ever since I've embarked on my own inner healing journey, that I've seen that ugly part of me, I've seen that, you know, that painful part of me that I'm like not quite like to see, but it's needed for me to be able to really peel that layer of conditionings to be able to really go deeper into the core, into the truth of who I am and to be able to really shine that to the world. And it takes a lot of practice to really go deeper one at a time and really bring about that, killing that lady years, basically. Wow, wow, wow. I was going to ask you like where, where, whether there was like that, that the turning point, whether there was that moment. But you know what? I'll save it for later. Okay, because I think you, you have just uh, touched on something about that ugly truth. And I think you mentioned it a couple of times already. I think I would like to just know, like, dive into it with your permission. You are so open and vulnerable in sharing, right? Your experiences. Here's the thing. Can you briefly share about some of the traumatic experiences they've had to go through and how they have significantly impacted you? Yeah, so uh, there are a couple of things that they kind of like shifted my trajectory of life. Firstly, my traumatic experience of public speaking when I was young, I think when I was like my final year English oral test during my primary school, I had to recite a poetry in front of the class, right? And I studied very, very hard the entire week, right? But when it comes to the actual day, I was just overwhelmed with so much anxiety and so much nervousness that I couldn't even remember a single word, right? And because of that, I returned back to my seats and I cried. And true enough that I actually failed my English oral test. And because of that, it was really very a painful experience that whenever I had to, you know, speak in front of people, right, or doing a presentation in school, right, that image popped up and I just cannot speak well. It was really very bad because it literally crashed my self-confidence into pieces. So not only, you know, my self-confidence is affected, my also my relationship with people as well. There is this sense of like not good enoughness in me. Uh, I felt like constant imposter syndromes and all that. That just makes me very difficult to connect with people, to really show up as who I am, right? It just felt like, I don't know, it's just like my whole world crash kind of thing, you know. And it was just so hard to pick my pieces again and really build myself again to be able to show up with a lot more confidence and clarity. Yeah, So it takes quite a bit of time and effort to be able to 
go through that healing journey as well. That's the reason why it was really quite a profound experience for me. Uh. Help me understand a little bit, if you can. When you failed that final year English examination because of your anxiety in reciting that poetry, you did say that it crushed your confidence and that you felt not good enough. What's the most painful part? Was it letting your parents down? Was it, you know, like people were like judging you? What was the most painful part about that? I think the most painful part was that because I have worked so very hard for that one particular exam, right? And I didn't make it. And I was so afraid of also letting my parents down, especially my mom, right? Well, I, I come from a humble family and a poor family too. My dad and my mom has been working very hard to actually fund my education, right? And I remember back then, uh, they actually sent me to really a good school and it takes quite a bit of like, you know, expenses to be able to also send me that and to be able to also send me to Singapore to study, right? It takes a lot of effort, time and money and all that. There is this sense of, I don't know, I think responsibilities to be able to also make my parents proud of me. So because of that, I felt that, hey, I didn't do justice to my parents who have been working very hard to find my education, right? Because of that, I felt that I have let them down. And I also have let myself down as well. So that was the most painful part. Nah. Great, great. So help me understand this. You said that you also affect your relationship with people. So in what way has that, you know, not good enoughness affect your relationship with people? Wow, that was a big question. I think it's so much really like uh, in terms of, you know, my own personal relationship, especially like intimate relationship. I just felt there is like, you know, probably like I'm just not good enough to be a good partner or whatever it is, you know. And looking back at some of my failed relationship in the past, it kind of like also, in a way, maybe subconsciously built this kind of belief or maybe assumptions that, well... I'm not sure if I'm even worthy, right? Worthy of love, worthy of belongings, right? And there was quite a painful things to go through, in fact. Yeah, there was an examples of like, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome. Wow. From what I'm hearing is there's a lot of self-judgment there. And it's like um, having to free yourself from that self-judgment and um, move into self-compassion that really helped you to grow past that because it seems to me that what I'm hearing is uh, there's a lot of self-judgment. It's not so much of people's judgment on you or people's rejection of you, but it's a sort of a self-rejection of yourself. Exactly, yeah. I realized that throughout my inner healing journey, I've discovered that, you know, like I have been abandoning myself and this self-abandonment thing kind of like make it uh, so suffering that, you know, like, in fact, it was also a hard truth to discover that in the first place as well. And knowing that, hey, I have been abandoning myself for a very long time. I have not been loving myself enough or even having that kindness towards myself, right? It's not easy to even acknowledge that in the beginning, Right. And then because of that, when I get to know about this painful truth that is really very painful 
And I decided to like, hey, you know what, Rana? Like, I know that you are suffering. I know that you wanted to be free from this suffering, right? And because of that, it really started on this inner healing journey of wanting to really get out of this suffering, to be free from suffering, to also find that inner peace within myself to be able to show up with a lot more confidence, with a lot more convictions and with a lot more clarity, right? Looking at my life as like, hey, I do have all the resources I needed to have to be able to also create the life that I wanted to live, right? So there was really a powerful revelation to me in that healing journey as well. That is so beautiful and thank you very much for sharing. Thank you so much for opening up the curtain and allowing us to see what's really going on in your inner world and how, because of what you have gone through, has really built so much grit and resilience in you that now when you smile, your smile is a genuine one that really lights up the world because you have gone through the darkness and therefore the light that you bring out is so genuine. It just emanates from you. Let's move on a different trajectory here. You talk about coming to Singapore to study. So, where are you from originally, just for our listeners? Uh, I'm from Indonesia. And so, when you first came from Indonesia to Singapore, what are some of the challenges that you had? And, you know, you're talking about this whole you know, challenges of not good enough, right? I can only imagine, if you're feeling not good enough, then why did you challenge yourself to get out from Indonesia and move to Singapore? Right. It's actually, it's been a dream for me to be able to, you know, study abroad because I just felt like, you know, I wanted to expose myself into a different world out of Indonesia, right? So I, I shared with my parents, like, I wanted to like, you know, study abroad. And then um, my, my dad was like, okay, sure, maybe you, you should check out like, you know, Malaysia, right? Maybe it would be like a cheaper place to study right so my mom and I went to Malaysia to actually do some kind of uh, research on some of the universities that I can go to and all that but in the end I decided to come into Singapore to study instead and of course coming to Singapore to study also face a different kind of challenges right from one is like my language barrier I couldn't speak English well. In fact, I was really struggling to speak English because English is not my first language. And I remember my very first year in my uni, right? I was like, oh my God, it's so difficult to even communicate with my lecturer, right? Because I cannot speak English and whatever my lecturer is trying to teach me as well, I, I need to process it like really many times. So it was not easy. So other than language barriers, it's also cultural barriers as well. And, uh, you know, Singapore is a very fast pace, right? And coming from Indonesia, who is like a lot more laid back, I would say. So I have to adjust quite a bit with the, the pace of Singapore that is like very fast. Basically, very double everything. <laughs> yeah, so and then after that, right, when I completed my three years of university and then I graduated, I was also facing another kind of problem because like I'm not used to work in Singapore, right? In a way, I have faced a different kind of like workplace bullies, right? And also, I was just not feeling, talking about the imposter syndrome and all that. It also showing up in my work as well, right? I just felt like I'm not good enough to even work in Singapore, to even produce a good work and all those kind of things that is like 
spiraling down as well. So there was like some of the challenges that I faced. Did you at any point in time think, you know what, forget this, let's just go back to Indonesia and live a life I'm more comfortable with? Interestingly, not really, actually. I, because of the challenges that I faced, right, in fact, it inspired me to look out for ways to how can I navigate all these challenges, right, because it's painful again, but I really wanted to live in Singapore because it's a lot more comfortable place to live and, you know, it's a lot more advanced Right. So I really wanted to extend my roots here in Singapore. And because of that, I was looking out for ways to actually help me overcome all of these challenges that actually I face in my life and my career as well. And yeah, that's basically how I, yeah, I face with these adversities during my early days coming to Singapore. Wow, you have a really, really great uh, threshold for being able to sit with your pain and have this great determination, this warrior-like spirit of wanting to overcome your adversities. Uh, that's really, really admirable and uh, very remarkable. I'm so inspired listening to that. So what are some of the things you have taken? What are some of the steps you have, you have taken, right, to overcome these challenges, like your language barriers that you mentioned, feeling that you're not good enough to work in Singapore and being subjected to workplace bullying? Some of these challenges, what are some of the steps you have taken to overcome them? Yeah, so it's kind of like really quite a bit of work. Firstly, to be able to help me in brush up my English, right? I actually, in my early years, right, I joined this network marketing company. And over there, right, yeah, I, I mean, I probably never shared about this anywhere, right? So I joined this network marketing company selling those kind of like, you know, mattress and skincare products and, and stuff like that. And then that was really a good training space for me because it really forced me to be able to present and to be able to really speak with and interact with a lot of Singaporeans because it's, it's like most of like probably 95% people there are, are Singaporeans, right? And then because of that, it was really helping me a lot in, you know, firstly to just speak English and to also be able to present myself well, right? So that was the first thing. And the second one is, is also after I graduated, so I, I joined like a training company and I had to do a, like a presentation, right? And the presentation is not like a to 20 to 30 people. It was like a Sunday convention center kind of like, you know, stage. So it was quite, yeah, it was quite terrifying, right? And because of that, I decided to join Toastmasters, right? And and before that, I actually chanced upon Toastmasters in my uni days. I only visited them once. I only did my project once. And I was like, I think this is not for me, right? So I kind of like quit, <laughs> quit Toastmasters. And then uh, because of my work and my survival instinct, right? So I decided to join another Toastmasters club to actually help me overcome my fear of public speaking and also build up my confidence as well. So I decided to rejoin Toastmasters and it was really like a life-changing decision, I would say. Toastmasters allowed me to be able to have the safe space for me to be able to express myself and build my self-confidence as well. And because of that, it really helps me a lot in facing my fear, right? Especially that traumatic experience I had in the past. So that was how Toastmasters really helped me a lot. And last but not least is the practice of mindfulness, right? That really, really, really helped me a lot in my inner healing journey. Because talking about the early 
part of like really looking deeper into that ugly part that I am so afraid to see, right? It takes a lot of courage and this mindfulness practice has really allowed me to give that space for me to really look at it with so much compassion and so much kindness to be able to really embrace it in such a way that it allows me to create a breakthrough of some of the um, adversities that I face in my life. Yeah, that was the three things. Wow, um, personally, I've known you for so long, but I've never heard of the story about, about the network marketing company, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Something you said to me struck me a lot about how you decided to push through uh, and then decided to go back to Toastmasters again because of survival instincts. And I think that that's so powerful. Why do I say that's so powerful? Is because part of wholehearted living, right, is the necessity to take some risks, right? If you live your life in your comfort zone and you never really had to take risks, you are never going to challenge yourself, then it's harder for you to grow. And then there isn't this you know, opportunity for you to really invest, you know, pay the price of effort. I don't, I don't mean pay the price of money. Of course, maybe some money as well. But I think mostly it's paying the price of effort, the blood, sweat and tears to really, you know, um, get good, to really grow yourself, to really help you to, as you mentioned, survive. So I thought that's so powerful. And also the idea of joining the network marketing company so that you will be talking to Singaporeans 95% of the time. That is also the power of immersion. It's very simple, right? It's like if you want to learn, for example, you want to learn Japanese, right? After living in Japan for two years, your Japanese is going to improve by leaps and bounds, right? That's really about the idea of immersion. This is so powerful. I hope listeners at home can take away so much from this, right? Wholehearted living is really the willingness to step out of your comfort zone, immerse yourself in a different culture, and give yourself that permission to grow and to really, really push through and have that whatever it takes kind of mindset because you knew that you are fighting for your dreams of wanting to stay and work long term in Singapore. I love what you mentioned about, you know, give yourself a permission because a lot of times we didn't give ourselves a permission to do that. And a lot of times it's just so scary to even give ourselves that kind of permission, right? And I love that particular phrase so much. I actually personally have thought about that for a long time. We can have a discussion about that now. I really think that a lot of times we don't live the life that we desire, we truly, truly desire. It's because we're waiting for people to give us permission. Maybe because we grew up living life based on other people's script. Like we have to fit in to society's expectation of us, our family, parents' expectation of us of what's right and what's wrong to do. As a result, sometimes even if we know deep in our heart, tells us, let's do it, like start a business or, you know, move to a new company or leave a relationship that's not working, right? Even our heart is screaming so loud at us, but we always hold ourselves back because we don't give ourselves permission. We keep thinking, oh no, what will other people say? What will other people think? But I think the power of choice really comes from making the decision to give yourself that permission. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. I mean, you kind of like summarize it so well in terms of like, you know, because many times we have always been conditioned on like, you know, living on other people's terms, right? On other people's script, right? Like what you mentioned. And we often forget about like, hey, you, we all have the capacity to actually create our own script, living on our own terms, right? Despite of all the limitation we have, despite of the 
imperfections we have. Like anyway, we all imperfect human being, right? No one is perfect anyway, right? And it's really about that courage to be able to live with that imperfections that really allows us to tap into that vulnerability part of us and to be able to go deeper and connect into that part of us that is so powerful and being able to share that with the world is actually a very liberating process that I felt that, hey, you know, like everyone should really taste that kind of liberations, yeah. Everyone should taste that. And it seems like that, that that's something that's like your manifesto, something like your motto, like personal motto that you live, live by. Everyone should taste it, especially I, the, I like the word taste it because it's so visceral. You can almost, I can feel a certain taste in my mouth, that kind of feeling. The taste of, you know, freedom. Many people think freedom is firing my balls, doing whatever because you know. I think that's not freedom. That is leaving the frying pan and jumping into another jail. The real freedom comes in being able to live life on your terms and having that courage to know that no matter how difficult it will be, you'll still be able to pull through. Yes, exactly. You are the epitome of that right now and I, I think this story really just summarizes you so well. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N-T-A-N.com. Now, I want to talk about, I want to pivot and talk about this topic that you brought up, mindfulness. Mm. Of yeah. course, I'm sure it's a topic that's been discussed several times before. But I would like to just ask you, like, how specifically has mindfulness really helped you in your life? Oh, very huge way, actually. Maybe I will just address on uh, the fear of public speaking first, because that was, like, probably one of the biggest struggles that I had and how mindfulness really helps me a lot in healing from that experience. So a lot of people think, like, hey, like, how mindfulness can be relatable into like, you know, overcoming your fear of public speaking, right? Because mindfulness is about like looking inwards and fear of public speaking is like, you know, you speak to public, right? And I always find it interesting because like, I find it, you know, to be able to really speak in public, you need to be able to really connect within yourself, right? And that mindfulness has really allowed me to have that space to be able to connect with that deeper part of me that is like, you know, so afraid of facing this fear, so afraid of even voicing out something, right? And how mindfulness helps me a lot in that process is I always explain it with ABC of mindfulness. A stands for awareness and acceptance. So awareness of like knowing that, hey, you know, whenever we put ourselves on stage, right? We always feel this kind of like feeling of anxiety, nervousness and all that, which is very normal, right? Every one of us face a certain kind of this kind of feeling. And because we just wanted to make this presentation is, you know, important enough and I wanted to make it well, right? I wanted to do well in my presentation and having the awareness that, hey, you know, I'm just doing this because I wanted to impact people, right? I wanted my message to be able to also bring benefit to other people as well. So having that awareness, knowing that, hey, 
I have so much to share with people and my message, I believe that it can also, you know, benefit people that will be hearing my message as well. So the awareness that knowing that, hey, I do have that anxiety, that nervousness, but it's okay, you know, it's just part of the process of speaking up in front of people, right? And uh, the second part is the acceptance, acceptance, knowing that, accepting the reality, knowing that, hey, you know, like, Whenever I'm on stage, I always think about this traumatic experience I had in the past and knowing that, hey, actually this past experience is not happening right now, right? But, you know, trauma is always like reliving that past in the present, right? Knowing that acceptance of the reality, knowing that, hey, I'm not living in the past, I'm currently living in the present, right? And I do have all the controls I have to be able to just be present with whatever I'm feeling right now, which is the feeling of anxiety and nervousness. And I do have the power to be able to, you know, share my message to the world, right? So knowing these two acceptance and awareness has really allowed me to feel a lot more at ease with myself. And then it comes to the second part, which is the B stands for balance. Because a lot of times when we feel anxiety and nervousness or whatever discomfort feeling that we all experience, right, we tend to push it away. And, you know, when, when we try to push it away, it will keep bouncing back, right? So the power of mindfulness has allowed me to be able to embrace that feeling of discomfort, knowing that, hey, you know, I do feel anxiety, I do feel anxious, and whatever it is, right? But, you know, I do have the power to embrace it, right? And that's the power of like, you know, self-compassion, knowing that, hey, you know, it's okay, right? Rana, I know that this anxiety and this fear is trying to protect me from any potential danger and threat. Because now you are not being threatened by anyone, right? Thank you so much for protecting me, but not today. And that, that really helps to actually give me that kind of Feeling a lot more at ease with that anxiety and nervousness or whatever emotions that I have at that point in time. And the third one is C, that stands for curiosity and care. So mindfulness allows me to be able to have put on this curiosity hat and knowing that, hey, you know, what is this anxiety or whatever discovered feelings I'm experiencing at that moment? What is this emotion is trying to tell me, right? Because of the survival instinct that we all have because we are being conditioned in such a way, right? So I know that they are trying to protect me, but hey, you know, I'm doing this because I wanted to benefit others, right? So knowing that, hey, you know, my agenda is not for myself. My agenda is to be able to benefit the public, right? It's really coming from the space of from egocentric to ecocentric, you know, because a lot of times the fear... And anxiety that it comes from speaking is because like, you know, we are trying to protect ourselves. We are trying to protect our ego as well. Like, you know, if people ask me questions and I cannot answer, I will lose face, right? So that was our coming from the space of agenda of ego, like protecting ourselves. And knowing that, hey, whatever we shared out there is really to benefit others. So it's a ego to, from ego to ecocentric, it allows me to have that space Knowing that, hey, I'm coming from the space of service, coming from the space of giving values, right? It helps me to feel a lot more at ease. And of course, the last part, which is the care part, really treating 
uh, the anxiety and whatever negative or discomfort emotions, right? As a kind friend, knowing that, hey, you know what, Rana, whatever you do, even if you fail, even if you whatever, right? I'm just going to be here for you. So that kind of like creating that certainty within yourself, knowing that, hey, I'm here for myself, right? It gives me so much courage and so much comfort to be able to really navigate all of these challenges that I face, especially adversities in my life as well. So my fitness really helps me to, to stay grounded and keep myself calm in times of difficulties and all that. Wow, that is so beautiful. I'm just really enjoying the entire, you know, sharing that you did. That's an um, entire mindfulness manifesto right there. I really love your A, B, and C. And um, as you were sharing, right, I cannot help because I'm just like wired that way. I cannot help but watching a scene between big Rana and small Rana, like two versions of Rana. Mindfulness is about what I'm saying is slowing down so that you allow the bigger Ratna to speak to the smaller Ratna. The smaller Ratna is the Ratna with imposter syndrome. The smaller Ratna is the self-judging Ratna, the, the Ratna that feels not good enough. This is so beautiful. Like, what I'm saying is mindfulness allows you to have that dialogue with yourself. What you mentioned about the big Ratna and the small Ratna, right? It was like summarizing perfectly. And I always call this like, you know, my current self and my higher self that my higher self is the one who is a lot more positive and a lot more wise in a way that also guide me along in helping me to, you know, improve myself and also prove to be a better version of myself, right? And it's really about the, you mentioned about the dialogue as well. It's really about the dialogue with my inner critics as well, right? Because we all do, right? And how can we make this in such a way that it's a lot more, healthy conversations as well that can allow us to be able to also grow as a better person as well. So, so beautiful. And I, I think the final part I have to say is remember I said about how that, hey, there's a, there's a very playful voice to it. It's also a very non-judgmental voice. It's not kind of like bigger Rana say to small Rana, hey, shut up lah. Don't be so negative, you know. You're not actually talking to yourself in a judging manner now. You're telling yourself, hey, you know, it's okay. Hey, you know, you're aware and you embrace it. Hey, you know, you find a balance, not trying to push it away because it's going to bounce back. I love that phrase you said in the middle somewhere. You said that because very often we think about positive mindset as in pushing away negative things because it is those very negative things that we don't want to deal with. But then we just kind of suppress it and repress it. And uh, not knowing that whatever we push away actually doesn't go away. It's still there and it can come back and bite us in the back and in the most, you know, critical of period of time. So I think it's important for us to really, I like, I like what you said about embracing it and finding that balance. So beautiful. And I think uh, it's also wanted to highlight as well, like, you know, a lot of all these discomfort feelings or even difficult emotions is actually giving us signal, right, of helping us to discover a bit more about like, ourselves, right? What are the things that you know, we don't like what are the things that we, we like as well. It really serves as an inner compass as well to guide us along to where we wanted to be. And when we are true to ourselves and really being courageous enough to really follow, hey, why, where is this bringing me to, right? 
it allows me to be able to like uncover something that I've never really discovered before, right? And that was really very powerful. Well, that's beautiful. Is that all your challenges is that inner compass? I think that's very much similar to what Bill George, the author of Authentic Leadership, says. These are your crucible moments, all the moments of your when you're feeling not so good, when you are being challenged. Those are actually indicators. Those are milestone moments that, you know, is your inner compass. It's a milestone when you look back and connect the dots. Like these are the moments that you made the choice to be the in your words higher Ratna. Wow. Yeah. This is beautiful. <laughs> I want to talk about something also very exciting recently that you've been involved in. Um, you recently took part in uh pageant. <laughs> so tell yeah, us more about that. Tell us more about that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, this is something that I've never had in my bucket list ever. And when one of my contact, uh, I've met him like many, many years ago. I don't even remember where I met him. And he reached out to me and he invited me to join a pageant, right? And I'm like, would you like to join up this heritage pageant? And my answer is like, no. And he was like, why? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, because he sent me the requirements and all that, right? Well, based on the requirements, I'm not even meeting the requirements, right? So I clarify a couple of things uh, with him and he said, hey, actually, it's okay. Like this is just the basic requirements, but we are not super strict on that. You know, in, in terms of, like, you know, like heights and age and all that, right? And I'm like, okay, that's quite liberating. And then I was like, this is like my, my conversation with myself as well. My small Rana and my bigger Rana, right? And my small Rana said that, oh my God, Rana, you're like too old for this, right? <laughs> and then my bigger Rana, my higher Rana, right? Then suddenly I remember Michelle Yeo's, uh, the speech, Oscars. the winning speech. Yes, exactly. Oscars. Mentioned that, hey, don't let anyone ever tell you that you ever pass your prime. And I'm like, wow, that was so cool, right? So I'm going to challenge my smaller right now and just do it anyway. <laughs> so I said, yes, okay, I'm just going for the audition. You know, I'm just going to try it and just have fun in the process, right? And I think uh, joining a pageant is also a part of my healing journey as well because it is really something that I've never taught ever, even joining in the first place. But it was really out of my comfort zone. So I'm just going this to really test my boundaries and pushing beyond what I ever thought possible. So, yeah. <laughs> what are some of the things you have discovered about yourself through this process? Wow, so, <laughs> so many. Well, I'm not super comfortable wearing a very high heels. And well, because of my height, I need to wear that high heels. And it takes so much practice for me to be able to also walk in that high heels. And I think it was interesting, right? Uh, when I practiced that walking during the pageanting, and probably it's also that relates so much with like, you know, the mindfulness practice that I have been practicing quite a while, right? And it also brings so much uh, transformation as well. And one of the teachers who teach us the walking, the, the catwalk walking, right? So she told us like, hey, you know, like just slow down, slow down and feel the ground. Oh my God, that piece of advice was so 
amazing that whenever I follow that, right, just slow down and feel the ground, right? I just feel that I can walk even a lot more at ease with a lot more groundedness that, hey, I can show up as who I am. I can present who I am without even having to, you know, put up with filters or whatever it is. So that was really very powerful. And it takes a lot of investment in times of time and energy because it's a journey, right? It's like a two to three months journey. And uh, every week we do have like a fitness training as well. Wow. So it's quite intense, say, yeah. And the fitness training is like every week for about two and a half months. But well, I believe that, you know, for me to be able to reach the next level of growth and transformation, it also takes a lot of investment of time and energy and effort, right? So coming back to the walking again, right? And I I wanted to link it into one of the experience I had when I attended this circle of like a healing circle. And then I remember that experience of like walking mindfully. And actually, as I walk one step at a time, I remember that I'm every step I have, I will actually grow this lotus, right? The lotus of kindness and compassion. And just imagining that, right? It, it brings me so much, I don't know, so much peace. And knowing that, hey, every step I take is just an opportunity for me to be able to really bloom this quality of kindness and compassion to be able to really show to the world, right? And it gives me so much power and so much groundedness to be able to really show up with a lot more confidence, with a lot more convictions. That was really very, very powerful discovery that I have during that process. Yeah. Wow, that's such a beautiful, beautiful uh, story. Eh? I think the image of you know, every step you're blooming, actually, uh, the flower, that lotus flower. And I think that seeing yourself as an identity for that is so powerful. I think that really demystifies a lot of people's misperception about, you know, um, pageants being all about, you know, attention-hungry people who are trying to lead a life of, you know, of narcissism or of self-importance. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's way beyond all of that, you know, um, superficial stuff. Beauty really is truly inside out. And I think you really em- embodies that. And the willingness that the way you mentioned just now, invest the energy and time. Uh, the amount of investment you make in your own growth is so, so tremendous, right? So many people say, I want to grow, I want to grow. But then they wouldn't be willing to invest that time and effort. And therefore, they don't reap the rewards of the growth that they want to see. Rana, just talking to you, I also got, I also gained so much insights in this past, you know, 40, 50 minutes or so, just listening to your, your, your share. And I also realized something within myself there. As we're coming towards the end, I'd like to just um, um, normally end with some quick fire questions to end this podcast episode. And so are you ready for some quick fire questions? Sure, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like Toastmasters uh, table topics, right? Yeah, it's quick fire, so don't you don't have to really elaborate too much. You can just um, answer with a few quick sentences. Okay. So, who is a mentor or a supporter who has made the biggest difference in your life? Oh wow, I have so many mentors uh, that has really helped me a lot. And I think maybe one mentor that I really wanted to acknowledge is Stuart. I- I'm sure you know Stuart, right? 
And I think he has really played such a big role in my personal growth and transformation as well. In times where I almost wanted to, you know, give up on my entrepreneurship pursuit, right? And he was like, hey, you know what, let's let's do this, you know. And he was just giving me that kind of like assurance and knowing that, hey, we can do this together, right? It, it gives me so much. Feeling more at ease and feeling more like, hey, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where is this journey is going to bring me to. But if I'm just taking one step at a time, I think I will be where I need to be. Yeah, so that was really very helpful. Fantastic. What is one of the most courageous things you have ever done that's made all the difference in your life? Facing my biggest fear, which is my fear of public speaking. Beautiful. What's the most powerful question you have ever been asked before? I think you, you asked that question during that day about, you know, what really inspired your healing journey. And that was quite powerful, I would say, because anyone never asked me this question. And that allows me to actually dive deeper into like, hey, what is that that thing that really triggers me into this self-discovery and personal growth journey, right? That was really very powerful question. So thank you so much for igniting that. Fantastic, fantastic. Actually, I didn't quite ask the question explicitly today, but um, I think you have answered the question through your entire sharing. This has been so delightful, so uplifting for me. I don't know if you can see my face. But I am actually full of life after talking to you right now. I think that's the highest compliment I can so pay much. to you. It's su such a privilege to be here uh, in your podcast. And I just wanted to thank you for being such amazing friend and supporting you are. You know, I think we've been going through this journey together in, in terms of personal growth. You know, like, I don't know, 10, 20, 15 years? Is it about there, I guess? Actually, it's probably around 13 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, but, yes, yes, yes. but I dare to say that we have looked actually younger than 13 years ago. I think that's a, a mark of our healing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for the privilege to really share my message and for even having you witnessing this growth and transformation has been very, very um, privileged to me and I am really grateful. Where can our, our listeners find you on social media or online? You can find me on LinkedIn. I create a lot of content there about personal branding, well-being, mindfulness, and career as well. So you can search my name, Ratna Juita, and you can also visit my website at www.themindgem.co. And also my Instagram, jratna, and my Facebook as well, Ratna Juita. Fantastic. We will include all the links to Rana's social medias and uh, connect and, and contacts in our show notes. So once again, Rana, it's been uh, most delightful. Thank you so much for being on the Whole Other Podcast. Wholeheartedly, thank you from the bottom of my heart from all our listeners. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Cohen, and thank you, everyone. Hey, listeners. Another great episode in our books. I personally learned a lot from Ratna's sharing. My biggest takeaway was the idea of self-abandonment. Most of us have experienced being put down by other people or being doubted by others. However, it is not what people say about us. It's about what we internalize, we take on and believe to be true that holds us back. And when we abandon ourselves, we stop believing in ourselves. And that will hold us back. Radna's revelation 
turned her life around and opened the doors to healing. I also liked how she constantly challenged herself by putting herself into challenging situations. Then she used her survival instincts to help her to learn to overcome her obstacles and to grow from them. This is how adaptable we human beings can be when we are courageous enough to challenge ourselves. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you've enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode? To the next episode, stay wholehearted.